If you've been listening to the Truest Fan Blueprints, you know that Phil and I want to see you, our listeners, succeed. And that's one of the reasons we've created a brand new program called the Truest Fan Roundtable. It's your way to take a test drive of our coaching and mentoring process, a process that will help you take your business and your life to new levels of success. And you can try it out for free. Just go to truestfancoaching.com forward slash free dash access and sign up. That's truestfancoaching.com forward slash free dash access. I hope to see you there. You are designed to shine. That is one of the great messages that you'll get today on the Truest Fan Podcast as you meet Samantha Riley, who I met as a guest on the Influence by Design podcast, a great podcast. Samantha is also a positioning strategist and a best-selling author who talks throughout this conversation today about the importance of energy and that energy that brings out the best in you and brings out the best in others because we're all designed to shine. Enjoy the conversation. You're listening to the Truest Fan Podcast. And now, here's your host, Rob Brown. Welcome, welcome back to the Truest Fan Podcast. I'm so excited tonight to have on board Samantha Riley, who is the host of the Influence by Design podcast, which I was fortunate enough to be a guest on, and we had a great conversation, so I'm sure that will continue tonight. Samantha is also a positioning strategist and a best-selling author. Samantha, welcome to the Truest Fan Podcast. Thanks, Rob. It's great to be here. Yeah. So normally I start my podcast by asking, what's your favorite baseball team? Because my whole idea of being a Truist fan started partially by being a Truist fan of the Cleveland Guardians, formerly the Cleveland Indians. But there's not a lot of baseball in your part of the world. What's something that like, you're really a big fan of? Oh, okay. I'm actually a big AFL fan. So that's Australian uh, Australian rules football, which again, you don't have over there. It's specific to Australia, but it's football where the players just wear a Guernsey and shorts. Everyone that sees the game just goes, what? They've got like no padding. They just come out and they just like buff into each other and they run fast. And it's just, I just really enjoy the game. <laughs> well, <laughs> buffing into each other. I'm not sure I've heard that, <laughs> that term before, but I love it. But what is it about sport and being a fan of a sport or a team that you kind of translate into the way that you serve your clients and build your business? Oh my good goodness. That is such an awesome question. Because I think we all want something that we can really subscribe to or be part of. And I think with sport, you know, that's what we love. We love being part of that tribe or we love that connection with other people, you know, to really stand up and 
and cheer on our team. And I think with branding, it's the same thing. It's I think of branding like creating a movement rather than just creating a right. brand. You know, we want to be creating a movement. And when we're creating a movement, we're doing that same thing. We're you know putting that 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 flag in the sand and saying, you know, this is what I stand for. And if you want to be part of this, come with me. So it's that same it's that same you know connection, that deep connection, that that feeling of being on a on a journey together. That is that same sort of feeling. Right, and I love that you said that because you know when you're a fan of a team or a sport, you're not engaged in it necessarily the same way that you would be like with a one-to-one client. But when you think about your whole tribe, all of the people who are listening to your podcasts or getting your emails or whatever they might be, you want to create that same enthusiasm. You're cheering you know, for their success. That's why you want them to join your tribe. And then you hope in turn that they cheer you on and they want to be part of your of your tribe, part of your mm. fan base. Totally. So even though I've just, you know, said that Australian rules football is something I follow, one of the other sports that I follow, and I got I got into this through my husband. It's not something I followed earlier in my life, but the V8 supercars. Again, this is something that is specific to Australia and New Zealand. And they had the biggest race of the of the year just on Sunday. I think while you were watching the baseball and watching your team win, we were watching Bathurst, which is a thousand kilometer race. It goes for like six hours and they race up and down a mountain. It's incredible. But what I really loved about it and commented the whole way through the day was the all of the drivers were saying thank you to the fans over and over and over. And I've not noticed this with any other sport in the way that this was done. And I was actually commenting to Leon how beautiful it was that the drivers were really understanding that they wouldn't be where they were if it wasn't for their fans. And I think that, you know, in branding, it's the same thing. We need to acknowledge the people around us because then that is what creates the movement. It's not just, hey, I'm here and I'm doing this thing and watch me and follow me. That doesn't create something deep. That doesn't create deep connections. It's that, you know, that back and forward and understanding that all together you're creating something that's really important. Yeah, it, it's a two-way street because mm. I think for a winning team to be successful, they've got to take their fans along with them. And so you were referencing my team over the weekend. We played a, a five-hour baseball game. Most baseball games take less than three hours. And as we hit the walk-off home run in the ninth inning, the first thing the hero of the game, his name was Oscar Gonzalez, did was turn around and looked at the fans and saluted the fans and thanked them for thanked us for sticking around. And that's that's a, that's a powerful emotion that I think sometimes we forget to carry over into our relationships and into our businesses. Totally agree because I don't know about you. I get very. It sounds like you get as involved in your sport as I do. But definitely when we were watching the podium and they and they were, you know, giving the fans the, you know, their their thanks, I got a little bit of a tear in my eye. So much so that I jumped straight on and booked tickets for the final race of the season because I was just like, oh, I have to be there. I have to be part of this. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it is that it's that deep emotion, that connection. Yeah. No, it's a it's a big thing. And I think that's why I like to think about this whole idea of being a truest fan not just being a one-way street, not just 
looking for truest fans of my business, but wanting to be truest fans of the people who even have an interest in working with me and actually anybody that I encounter, why not root other people on? Because we all need cheerleaders. Mm, Totally. And, you know, it would be nice to see that a lot more in the online space of people actually supporting each other more because I think a lot of people miss this part. Like you just said, they miss this part of cheering other people on as well because we can't, not that you win the race, but you can't run this race on your own. It's not going to be the same. So if we can support other people, we will get that support back. Yeah. It's the giving without expecting to get, but you get because it it just it, it just has to happen. There's like a boomerang effect. Well, you know about all about mm-hmm. boomerangs, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we know all about boomerangs here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm stere- I'm stereotyping. So I. <laughs> <laughs> so changing gears here a little bit. One of my favorite questions to ask guests of the podcast is. We've all received great advice over the years from mentors or family members or colleagues or teammates or clients even. Is there like one or two pieces of advice that you've gotten through the years that really jumps out to you? Mm, I mean, and you're right. I've been in business nearly 30 years. So there has been a lot of advice along the way. I've had a lot. I've been so blessed and grateful to have so many mentors. But one of the pieces of advice that stands out, and it's a piece of advice that I got maybe about 20 years ago, and at the time, one of my businesses, because I had multiple, one of my businesses was a dance studio. So, and the, the advice that I got was don't hire because you can afford to hire someone, hire the best. And at first I was like, I can't afford to hire the best. So this was quite early when I was just growing and growing the studio. And I really respected this person and I did. I hired the best teacher that I could get at that time and it was the catalyst for big growth for us because I was hiring the best person for that position, which meant that I could be or step back into the position of the visionary, the CEO of that business, the leader of the business, rather than the person that was in doing the do all the time. And I continued to do that and we grew our our studio quite successfully. I would always hire the best teacher that I could in that genre of dance each year, where a lot of dance studios would hire their senior students. And by senior students, you know, they're, they're sort of around 16, 17 years old. And so when I would hire teachers that had been professional dancers and they would hire teachers that were 16 and 17 year old teenagers, there was a big difference in the output that our studio put out. So that was definitely one of the the biggest learnings. And it was also a big mental hurdle that I had to get over by thinking, oh, I'm not sure I can afford it, but it was the best thing that I could do. And while we're talking about the best piece of advice, I actually want to share the piece of advice that was probably the worst piece of advice that I ever got, because I think that this is just as important to to take the learnings. And this was, mm, this actually wasn't too long ago. This was probably only about 10 years ago. We had a, we've got a theme here of sports. It was actually a professional sports person. He played rugby in New Zealand and he came and spoke at a conference and he had, was, he'd left the sport and he was now a consultant to 
some of the big banks in Australia and, and some other like really, really big corporates. And he said, one of the things that you should do is think like a sports person. You should know your competition. As sports people, you know, we know our competition. We know how fast that person can run or we know their stats and we're always trying to better them. And you should be like that in business. And let me tell you what that did and why I don't agree with this analogy. Because as business owners, what we do is unique. We have unique knowledge. We have unique experiences. We have unique ways of doing things. And by taking my eyes off my lane and what I was really good at, I started getting, I guess, a little bit blinded by what are they doing over there? What's that person doing? What's their marketing like? And it really put me off for about six months before I realized, oh, wow, I'm all over the place because I'm looking at what everyone else is doing before I went, no, this is, that might be right for a sports person, but that is not right for us as business owners and entrepreneurs. Just put the blinkers on. Don't worry about what they're doing and just get back in my lane. Yeah, I, I love that. And listeners to the podcast know that one of my favorite recent expressions is comparison is the thief of joy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what happens sometimes. We focus too much on the competition. We're comparing ourselves. We think we start to believe that what we know about their business that's good makes that business like perfect and like we'll never get there. And then we, we start, well, we can't live up to that. And that's, that's really, that's really a mistake to make that comparison, to, to try to position our uniqueness in a way that isn't unique because we're copying or emulating our competition. Absolutely. Yeah. Because one of the things I love to tell my clients is, you know, I have people say to me, you know, well, what do you mean unique value proposition or unique sales proposition or whatever those US, UVP kinds of things (laughs) are? And they go, we can't be unique because aren't we all in the same business? You know, Mm -mm. know, we're investment advisors, financial advisors, and our product is the same. I was like, well, the very fact that you aren't the same person as the person next door who might be doing that, and you aren't serving the same clients automatically makes you unique. So why would you withhold that? A hundred percent. And create those comparisons. hundred percent. I call it your diamond factor. Like what is that thing that makes you shine that is unique? So I don't know if you know this about diamonds, there is not one diamond that is the same as another. They've all got unique qualities and characteristics. And when we can really embrace that diamond factor and embrace our unique qualities and value, then that really has us shining in a way that is different to everyone else. And I'm, I'm not a huge believer in competition. There are people that might do something that's similar to us, but they're not really competition because they're different. And I really understood this one day. I've got a very good friend. He's male. He's a decade younger than me. And on paper, we do almost the same thing. He's been in business for a long time you know, sold his business, same as me. We both, you know, do this really cool stuff. And we were sitting down one night having a bottle of wine on the balcony, you know, all good stories start with a bottle of wine. (laughs) And we were chatting and as we got into the wine, he's saying, you know, so Sam, what projects are you working on? And and I was telling him what I'm working on. He went, ah, damn. He said, I really had this great idea that I was going to do something similar. He's like, oh, 
every time I talk to you, we have a similar idea and I always stop myself. And I went, well, that's really interesting because I do the same thing. You tell me the projects you're working on and I'm like, oh, uh, he thought of it first. We started to delve into that a bit more and realized why are we doing that? Because he's male, I'm female. We're going to attract different people. I'm 10 years older than him. We're going to attract very different people. And in actual fact, even though on paper we do something similar, we are so different, so, so different. You know, our experience is different. Our knowledge is different. You know, he's way more into tech. I'm way more into to branding and, and stories. And we just decided that night that we'd both been holding ourselves back and that it was the opposite. We need, and we weren't doing it, you know, out of anything bad. We were actually doing it out of respect for each other. But from that night, we made a pact that we're never, ever going to allow ourselves to hold each other back. And in actual fact, we're going to share, we're going to share what projects we're working on together and then help each other. And since then, we've gone on to do some really amazing collaborations. Yeah. Isn't that amazing that sometimes, again, it's that comparison or that wondering or that pretending you know what somebody is doing. And it ends up being self-sabotage too, because- 100%. You're like, oh, you kind of, you have that same idea and then you learn that somebody else is already working on it. So you're telling yourself, not only I can't do it because they're doing it, I can't do it because I couldn't do it better or different mm. or my way, which is really how you should be thinking about it is, you know, hey, who cares if, you know, somebody is your competition and they're doing it, they're not going to do it exactly the way that you're doing it. And you're just not letting your light shine. 100%, 100%. You know, I could probably come up with a topic and give it to 20 different entrepreneurs and say, hey, here's the topic, create a course on this, and you would get 20 vastly different courses. Yeah. I was an economics major in college, and that was one of our kind of definitions of an economist was you would give them the same set of facts and they would come up with, you know, if you gave 20 of them the same set of facts, it'd come 20 different pieces of advice. So if you kind of wonder why the... Um, the economy bounces around the way that it does. It's probably because economists are the same way as uh, the folks you're talking about. <laughs> totally. Are you ready to discover your true purpose, live with impact and build an ever greater legacy? Then you need to make time for what truly matters most. Go to truestfan.com slash challenge to begin the free Truest Fan 7-Day Quick Start. So let's, let's change gears again. One of the ways that you position yourself is as a positioning strategist, which has a lot to do with brand. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about being a positioning strategist and what that means. Yeah. So I call myself an authority positioning strategist because I think that we all need to own our unique authority. And I was talking about that before a little bit with our diamond factor. So there's many, many different facets that I bring into this. You know, as I mentioned before, it's what is your knowledge, your experience, your specific expertise, all of these pieces come in. 
I use a foundation in my business to work with my clients called human design. And what human design is, it's a modality that talks about, or it's, it's our the way that we energetically converse, I guess, with what's going on around us. So each of us is wired very, very differently. So we all, we're all here to do different things, to be different people. And I use this as like the foundation that sits underneath. I'll give you an example. I'm a human design is a, such a huge topic, but I'm a generator. So I'm specifically designed to be a worker bee, I guess. I'm designed to work, to bring work, my work into the world. I'm designed to do work that I love. And that, that energy that I create by doing work that I love gives energy to those people around me. My husband is a manifesting generator. So he's similar, but he's designed to work on a lot of different things, a lot of different projects. If he works on one project, he gets very bored. I'm a generator. I'm designed to have mastery in what I do. So I dive really, really deep into one thing. One of my collaboration partners, Melanie, is a manifester. She's designed to be the trailblazer. She's designed to start movements. She's designed to, or her energy comes in spurts. So she's designed to go all in on something when she gets really excited about something. And then she's designed to retreat and rest and just sort of walk away from everything, close the doors and not be part of anything. That's a really brief overview of what human design is. But when I can help my clients get really understand the way that they're designed to work, the kinds of ideal clients they're energetically more likely to bring into their world, this makes it really, really easy to be able to live a life that really lights you up instead of doing work because we went to college and got a certain degree or because our parents told us that we should do something or because we think you know, that society has taught us that we're meant to go down a certain path. So human design really helps us to understand who we are, who we came here to be. And then from there, it's about building from that. That's like the foundations of that knowledge and that expertise so that we can really bring that authority positioning to life. So when you do that and you do that well, does that also bring out the best of the human design of the people or the person that you're interacting with? 100%. It makes it easier for everyone because energy, we're, you know, interacting with energy all the time. So when we're in alignment and we're bringing out the best in other people as well, the energy just flows a lot easier. We've all got a zone of genius, that one thing that we're really, really good at or that that energy that we we lead with, our brand energy. And when that is all in alignment, it flows for you as the entrepreneur, it flows for your clients. You know, you will attract the right people in rather than having to hustle and push, just, you know, opportunities will just appear. And I, I'm guessing that also goes back to that, nugget that you shared with us earlier that you learned from a colleague 20 years ago about hiring the best mm -hmm. is that that's part of human design is if when you don't hire the best, and I guess the best means that the people that you bring on board complement you from a human design perspective. Yeah. I was going to say the best for you. Totally. So yeah, the thing with human design is 
when you're being truly you and you're leaning into the strengths that you have, you then give yourself permission to do the things that aren't your strengths so that you're right, that does play in. So for me, one of my strengths is starting things. I've got a lot of energy in my chart around starting things. I'm a visionary. I have big vision ideas. I love to start them and I lose interest in them very, very quickly. Now, I was always taught to see things all the way through to the end. What happens for me, and this isn't true for everyone, this is specific to my chart, what happens for me is if I do try and push through to the end of a big project, it will fizzle out, it will lose energy, it will it will just turn to nothing. So one of the things I now have is quite a large team so that I can come up with the idea, this is the vision, this is the project we're working on. I get the team in place and went, all right, all of you, this is your thing to work on and I then pass it on to them. So the energy continues in the project rather than fizzling out because the energy just dissipates. So being a worker bee, which was part of the way that you described your human design, Mm -hmm. isn't doing it all. Mm -mm. It's being busy, building projects, Mm -hmm. working on lots of different things, but not trying to be the one who finishes them all and knows all the little details. Oh, details is the furthest thing from anything that lights me up. This isn't necessarily, like I said, that is very similar to me. I've got another client who in her chart is the opposite. She must finish things. Now, what was the symptom of her not finishing things was she was never getting the next opportunity. She always felt like she was sort of starting this and it wasn't working. So she would start the next thing and it wasn't working. And she was on this cycle of constantly starting new projects. So we had a look at her chart. She is designed to see something from the beginning to the end. That is her design. So we set up an experiment for her where she finished a whole heap of projects over a month just to see what would happen. And the second, like one by one, as she finished all these projects and ticked them off and and completed them, just these opportunities, huge doors were opening for her. She was, you know, invited to be a keynote at her university or at the university that she was consulting with to speak to the alumni of MBAs. You know, there was all these massive opportunities that came just because she finished them. So energetically, because she completed these projects and that was the way she's designed, it opened up a whole new world for her. And that's why human design is so amazing because you can find out what works for you, you know, As business owners, we're always giving advice and we're always trying to help people in whatever area it is. That's why we're in business. We're here to serve our clients. The second you can realize that every single one of them is different and you can get access to this information and realize, wow, what worked for that client over there will never work for that client. It opens up a whole new world. Right. But even in thinking about your ideal clients... Mm -hmm. thinking about the energy that you have back and forth becomes really important because you can have big financially beneficial relationships that, you know, the conversation's over and you go, why am I working with this person? It just drains me. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. And then you work with someone who maybe isn't paying you as big a fee, Mm -hmm. but every time you have a conversation like, wow, that was great. Mm -hmm. You know, I felt like I heard what they were 
asking me to help them with and I was able to help them, you know, even more. And you are like, maybe from a greedy perspective, you're thinking, well, I wish they had a bigger business so they could pay me more, but it's okay because the energy is there and, and there's something about that. And I think that's, that happens a lot with financial advisors, the folks that I work with when they're thinking about their most ideal clients. You know, sometimes they run into people who have a lot of money, which is usually a good thing for a financial advisor, but the relationship doesn't gel and it goes away quickly. And then they have another person mm-hmm. that they, they've worked with them for decades and they've just helped them grow. But each conversation is a lot of fun. There's energy from it. Totally. And I think that, that I love the way that you've put that because for anyone that was listening, it was like, oh, energy, energy, whatever. Like when you really think about that client that you love to work with, what is the thing that makes you love it? It's the energy that you get. You know, you get off the mm-hmm. phone and you're like, wow, that was so good. You know, you're energized. You feel great. Similarly, if you have a client that you really don't like to work with, you know, what does that energy feel like? I've had them. You know, you put down the phone and you're like, oh, you know, like, I just feel like I need to purge something here because that felt so heavy. Yeah. So, you know, it's a real thing. Right. And what about, does the energy shift sometimes where that person that maybe brings you down more often than you would like, where the energy isn't there, There's that there are times when the energy is okay? Does it shift like that? Yeah, of course. Energy is movement, so it's going to change all the time. Yeah, you know, there's some people that are just, we're just not meant to work with. And that's not a bad thing or a good thing. It's just, it just is. We're not designed to work with everyone. So if the energy's not there, I think it's really important to notice that and almost give them permission not to work with you because it's better for you. You won't have your energy going in a weird place, but it's also better for them because there's going to be someone that's better suited to them. So I think coming from a true place of service, we need to understand that we need to feel this energy so that we can really tap into serving at the highest level. Yeah. You know, although I certainly don't use the energy term, although I may start, one of the things I love to tell my clients who have clients that they should no longer serve is that it's okay to tell them that I'm not the best advisor for you not that you're a bad client for me. And there's, it's just a way of positioning that, that I think makes a big difference, which kind of ties into what you're talking about, this energy, because odds are that that client feels the same way, but isn't ready to express it quite yet. And sooner or later, you're going to get there. Yeah. Or they can't put their finger on what it is. Right. They just don't understand what it is. They think logically this should work but they just have a feeling like "Eh, it just doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. And again, we're not taught to make decisions like this. We're taught through school to think, you know, what are the pros? What are the cons? What is the logical answer to this? And whilst we are logically working through all these things, our bodies are actually designed to make the decision with a feeling. So we actually are designed to make decisions from the neck down but we're taught to make decisions from the neck up. Right. So, you know, for a lot of people, that's a big shift to make. Sure. No, it is. And it's that kind of like that. What's that? What is your gut telling you? You know? Yeah. And you've got to be careful there, but sometimes your gut, 
and maybe more often than not is right. When you just feel that thing isn't right, mm -hmm. you should probably stop and either try to fix it or move on. And, and I think that's true with, with the way that you think about who that ideal relationship is that you want to work with. Mm -hmm. Because a, a, like a lot of the ways that my clients or potential clients might express their ideal client relationship is it's somebody who readily accepts my advice. Mm-hmm. Somebody who readily accepts and, and if I guess if you're somebody is readily accepting your advice, assuming that you're ethical and credible, it's because the energy's right. Correct. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So we're getting close to the end here. Let me ask you, who is an ideal client for you and for your business? And what's the best way for somebody to get to know you and maybe a little bit more about human design? Mm. So an ideal client for me is someone that's really ambitious to take their brand and be known as the unapologetic leader in their industry. They're not someone that just, you know, wants to hide behind the scenes. There's nothing wrong with that. But the people that work with me are like ready to really come out and share with the world their genius and really serve on a bigger scale. They've got some sort of expertise that they can really share in a much bigger way. People can find me on my podcast, like you mentioned at the beginning, Influenced by Design. That's a really great place to connect with me. If you want to learn more about human design, I do have a short guide that goes through the five different types and what that can mean for you and what it can mean for your leadership, you know, what you're best designed to do. And there's a little permission piece of if this is your design, get rid of these things, stop doing these things. So you can get that at samanthariley.global forward slash advantage. It's called the Human Design Advantage. That's got a little link in there that will give you access to a free chart. Everyone's chart's different. So you can get your free chart to have a look at what makes you unique and then learn a little bit about, you know, the way that you're designed to be. So yeah, you can get that at samanthariley.global forward slash advantage. Awesome. So two great ways to get to know you through your podcast, Influence by Design, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Just look for the episode that I was on. It'll be double awesome. And also- um, <laughs> It was very, very good. <laughs> it really was. That's why I was looking forward to having you on this podcast, because I think we share a good energy. And secondarily, through the tool that Samantha just described, and I'll be sure to put a link to that in the show notes so that you won't miss it. Samantha, last thing. So you've talked about a lot of good stuff, and I've, I've just- the scribbles on my page are almost too much to differentiate, but you start out by talking about the importance of hiring the best, which I think is great advice. Mm -hmm. You talked about bringing out the best in others and yourself. Uh, you talked about the diamond factor, how energy is movement. I mean, so much great stuff. I almost feel like there's nothing else that you could share, but if there was one other thing, any like last piece of advice that you like to give somebody who's really been intrigued by the conversation that we've had today? I think the one piece that I want people or the one thing I want to leave people with is that we are all designed to shine. Oh, I love that. Whether it's in business or whether it's in leadership in our family or we're all designed to shine in one way or another. And to really have the courage to unapologetically lean into who you are and don't have regrets that you 
dulled your diamond factor or that you didn't say what was really, really important to you. So, you know, have the courage to step into that and be unapologetically you because you are here to influence and support and, you know, really move so many people in all parts of your life. And there is nothing more powerful than getting to the end of our life, I think, and really knowing that we've done that. Oh, I, I love that. I just designed to shine. You know, I use the term, you know, let your light shine all the time and, and everything that you do, because that's how you're living to your most authentic, your most ideal self is when you're letting yourself shine. And it's easy to put, you know, a cover on top of that and say, well, I'll let it out when I think it's right. But you're designed to shine. I love it. That's a great way to to end our conversation. So Samantha, I want to thank you again for being on the podcast. It was great having this conversation with you. And for those of you who are listening, thank you for listening. And please check out Samantha's website and her podcast because she is awesome all the time, not just on the Truce Fan podcast. Take care. <laughs>